The following program is intended to provide general information only, and its host, Tim Decker, recommends that you always seek competent professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about freedom. Talking about freedom. I will fight for the right to live in freedom. This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Well, good morning, everyone. Tim Decker here with you. Another hour of all things financial here on Financial Freedom. Thank you for making us part of your Saturday morning. Let me give you the phone numbers and the email if you would like to contact me directly during the next hour. I'd love to hear from you. Just let me remind you, we do take your calls and or your emails on a first caller or email basis. You can reach me here, 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580. And anywhere else, toll free, it's 800-724-5801. Again, that's 800-724-5801. And for those of you who prefer to email. If you are phone shy, you can email me live during the program here at ffradio at comcast.net. That's FF as in financial freedom, radio at comcast.net. Again, I urge you to not wait till the end of the program because invariably there are those of you that I just don't get to. So first come, first serve, as they say. Volatility. Let me take you back to 2007 and just follow with me here. Imagine owning an investment that in 2007 had a positive return of 39%. How would you feel? For that year in 2007, you owned a type of investment that was up 39%. And then the following year in 2008, Subsequently, it was down 53%. How would you feel that year? What would you have done? First year was up 39%. Second year was down 53%. What would you have done? The following year, 2009, it was up 79%. Now, remember, the year before, it was down 53%. How many of you would have stayed, continued holding on to that investment? How many of you would have had the confidence in that investment? Well, what we know from all the data is most individual investors sell, panic when things are down, which we'll talk a little bit more about how that uh, applies to risk. So it was down 53% in 2008, 2009, went up 79%. What would you have done after a great year like that? Would you have sold? Would you have bought more? 2010, it was up 19%. 2011, 
2011 was down negative 18%. 2012 went up 18%. 2013, it was down 3%. 2014, it was down 2%. So that was two years in a row it was down. And then 2015, it was down another 15%. Three years in a row. What would you have done? 2016 turned around was up 11 percent and then last year 2017 it was up 37 percent that my friend is volatility is it a good thing is it a bad thing well let me just share some thoughts with you here and listen very carefully and really Try to let this soak in. Human nature, being what it is, is a failed investment strategy. Human nature, being what it is, is a failed investment strategy. This is why a plan serving you as your guide is your best friend. Why is it that human nature is a failed investment strategy? Well, it's because without a plan, without something objective guiding you, without having a financial coach there to help you do the right things, we are all subject to our emotions of fear and greed. Let me follow up with this. Human nature... And the world of investing is essentially this. When a human sees an asset class declining, we see the risk rising. While the opposite is also true. When an asset class is rising, human nature says risk is declining. Let me read that one more time when a human sees an asset class declining like we've seen in the last week or so we see the risk rising while the opposite is also true when an asset class is rising human nature says risk is declining do you see the problem with that i hope you do This is why consistently, over and over and over again, human beings left to their own accord consistently end up shooting themselves in the foot. So now let's put this in perspective, and we're going to get into it in more detail after the first break here. What does that mean within the context of where we are at? Oh, and by the way, that asset class that I was providing you the returns of year by year since 2007 that that had a year as high as 79% and a year as low as uh, 18%, that asset class was a diversified portfolio of emerging markets, which is one of the most volatile asset classes one can own. But also over the last 
many years from 2004 through 2017. It also is on top of almost all asset classes with an average annualized return from 2004 up through 2017 of about 10% a year, which has been better than the U.S. stock market. Now, please, I'm not saying go put all your money in emerging markets. I'm not even saying you should put any in there because I don't know anything about your personal financial situation. I don't know anything about your overall household portfolio. I don't know anything about your tolerance for risk, your goals, your objectives, and all that. That's not the purpose of me bringing this up. So always and only invest based upon your own goals, your financial plan, and your personal tolerance for being able to deal with fluctuation. But the point that I was trying to make with that example is volatility is not a bad thing. As I've defined for you before, volatility is simply the variance above and below a long-term trend line upward. So you need to not only accept, but you need to learn to embrace and if you're working with a good fee-only financial advisor, they will be worth their nominal fee multiple, multiple times over, which means over your lifetime in working with them, they will not net cost you anything. They will net earn you returns far and above, far and above what you would have on your own, not only by coaching you and helping you with your behavior during times of doom and gloom, when the sky is falling and the world's coming to an end, but even as important, having a process in place that they are managing your portfolio in such a way that they are capitalizing through dynamic rebalancing and buying more of what is temporarily down. Because remember what I just said, left to human nature, using that as a financial plan, you are destined for failure because of your own emotions. And again, that's because when a human sees an asset class declining, when, when we as humans see a certain type of investment, whether it be small cap stocks or emerging markets or large cap value or whatever, when we see those declining, the human tendency is to see the risk rising. We see that as a riskier investment. And then when an asset class has a great year, human nature says, well, that's where I'm going to invest new, new money because it's been doing well, which means the risk is declining when what we know is the opposite is actually true. Okay, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to pick right back up on this topic. We're going to uh, talk a little bit more detail about the market's decline. Uh, the Dow's decline of over 1,400 points, and what does that mean, and what can, and what should you do about it? If you have anything you'd like to ask of me, don't be shy. I'd love to hear from you, 717-540-0580 or toll-free, 800-724-5801, or you can email me live here, ffradio.comcast.net. We'll be right back.
is your financial show, Central PA, Financial Freedom, on WHP Talk Radio 580. Welcome back. Uh, Tim Decker here with you, Financial Freedom, where my goal and my passion is to encourage you, encourage you to get your financial house in order by doing the right things and also eliminating many of the mistakes that uh, are so easily made by us as humans. And uh, there are so many uh, so many things coming at you. There are so many financial uh, traps out there. And if I can help warn you and help educate you and help encourage you to finally take the simple steps that are not easy to do, but they're simple, which is, Get a financial plan, make sure it's in line with your goals and your objectives, work with a 100% fee-only advisor, which, by the way, not easy to find. It's estimated that 90% or so of all advisors are not fee-only, which means they're full of conflicts of interest and ultimately uh, are salespeople. Get a financial plan. Work with the fee-only financial advisor. Implement a portfolio based around that financial plan, your goals, and your objectives, and then make sure you have a process ongoing to monitor that to help you not only get through these inevitable market declines, but to also help you capitalize on it. Okay, I had an email uh, a week ago, um, and I was out of town. And Fred uh, emailed me again this morning as I had asked him to, and I'm more than happy to uh, answer. He said, Tim, I own a short-term bond fund. The maturity and duration of the holdings are about two years. As interest rates go up and the price of the fund shares go down, can I expect the price of the shares to recover after two years if rates remain stable? Great question, Fred, and I believe in your prior email you had also mentioned um, uh, comparing it to an individual bond that you understand that if you hold that until maturity, you will receive back the payment or the principal of your bond as well as the interest uh, payments along the way. And that is accurate subject to the bond not defaulting, obviously, or being called because many, many bonds are callable which means they can they can pay you off before they actually come due, which if it will save them money, oftentimes they will do. That's why I always recommend stay away from callable bonds because that's adding a whole whole other risk to your, your fund. Okay, so if you own a mutual fund in bonds, the two things that, that you'll see is as it pertains to the bonds themselves are the, the average maturity – of the bonds and the duration okay although the duration which is nothing more than a number to provide you with interest rate risk is comprised and uh, is as a result of some mathematical calculations coming from the maturities of the say the hundred or two or three hundred different bonds that your bond fund holds let me make it clear maturity and duration are not exactly the same thing. Maturity is exactly as it sounds. How long do the bonds uh, need to be in existence before they're paid off, before they mature? The duration 
is nothing more than a calculation to help you understand what type of decrease or increase in volatility you will see relative to what interest rates are. And for the benefit of everyone else, quite simply, it means this. When you look at a bond mutual fund and you see that it has a duration, like what Fred is talking about here, say of two years, the duration number is the number that you can use to calculate how how far down or how much of a decline or how much of an appreciation the share price will have for every 1% change in interest rates. So if you have a 2 per, if you have a 2 year duration if interest rates go up 1% you should expect a temporary decline of 2% because that's what your duration is. If you have a 2 year duration and interest rates go down 1% then you can likely expect an increase in your bond fund share price of around 2%. So don't, don't mistakenly uh, uh, think that duration and maturity are exactly the same, although duration is derived from mathematical calculations based upon the maturity. Um, there are most likely in that fund, if the average maturity of bonds is two years, that means you're going to own some that are that mature less than two years, but you're also going to own some that in that fund that uh, the maturity is longer than two years. So what you were asking is, can you expect or should you expect if you invest some money in this fund and it has a two-year duration, if interest rates go up and the bond price the bond fund price drops 2%, can you expect in about two years or so that your share price will come back up to where it was? And the answer is give or take yes, but there's not an exact, uh, it's not a black and white answer because it's going to be subject to if interest rates went up 1% and then just remained there and did not change, for say three or four years, then sure, share price of the bond fund would be up and back up to where it was in about two years. But if interest rates kept going up, let's say they gradually kept uh, going up, it may take and could take a little bit longer. But generally speaking, generally speaking, duration is a good measurement to determine from a timing st standpoint when you invest money how long do you want to be confident that you're going to leave it in that type of bond fund so if you have a bond fund that has a duration of two years I would not put anything in that unless you're pretty confident that you're not going to be tapping into it or making a withdrawal say for let's just say three years or more now let me just make something very clear one of the major advantages of a bond fund versus an individual bond, uh, Fred, is in that bond fund, because it owns hundreds and hundreds of different bonds, they're all coming mature at different times. And so as interest rates go up, as they have recently, although the share price of your fund is temporarily gone down, look at what has happened to the yield of your fund. Because what's taken place is as interest rates go up and the bonds within that bond fund mature, 
the money manager is reinvesting in new bonds, which, guess what, are at higher yields. So what you'll typically see is while your share price is temporarily down, the dividend and the yield is going up. And it's those two components, the price and the yield or the dividend combined that provide you with your total return. So wrapping all this up from a practical standpoint, duration is a good tool to use to help you determine you know, how long you should leave money invested in something like that. And for a two-year duration, I, I like to say, let's, let's just say it's going to be, be in there, say, for three years or more, a five-year duration, which is similar to what the total bond market index has. It's about five and a half years. You know, you want to put money in there that your confidence is going to be in there at least for five years or so. But it's not an exact uh, it's not an exact two-year based on 1% unless that 1% increase remains flat. And we don't know from year to year. Rates can go up. Rates can go down. So I hope that helps you, Fred. Okay, we're going to go to the news. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. If you have anything you'd like to ask of me, we'd love to hear from you. 717-540-0580 or toll-free 800 724-5801, or you can email me, ffradio at comcast.net. When we come back, we're going to talk about specifically what this volatility that we've seen in the last week or two, what does this really mean? How do you measure it? And what are you going to do about it? I'm Tim Decker. This is Financial Freedom. We'll be right back. Sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP 580. Once again, here's Tim. All right, welcome back. Second half of Financial Freedom. And again, let me say a big thank you for joining us here on Financial Freedom where it's my passion and it's my goal and why I'm here with you every Saturday is to ultimately serve as an outlet to be your trusted resource for financial truths. Okay, let's go right to the phones. We have Kevin from Mechanicsburg. Hello, Kevin. How are you, sir, and how may I help you? I'm doing well. How are you, Tim? I'm great. Uh, Thank you so much for asking. Sure. Um, we're having a sibling uh, discussion over my parents' situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious how to invest. My philosophy is a little different than my sister-in-law's and brother. Anyway, they have, uh, they're in assisted living. Mm -hmm. They are moving to a place that the price is doubling. Mm -hmm. They have insurance for assisted living, 250000 each. That will last another three years. Okay. And then that, that will be exhausted. They currently have approximately, round figures, 250000 between their checking account and investment. Okay. They got a, about half and half. I told my sister-in-law we should get that out of the checking because their income covers all their expenses plus plenty of extra. Mm -hmm. uh, we should get that checking money out of there and invest that in like something safe, obviously, but should be a staggered like, like, municipal bonds or something that mature at a 
two year, five year, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Does that sound? And she wants to put it all in CDs, which okay. I don't think are going to, you know, return much. I, yes, they're one hundred percent safe, but you can buy, you know, you can invest in other stuff that's, you know, eighty five percent safe. Okay. Or whatever. So what what would your advice be? Okay, let me tell you what I do if it's my own mom. And just so you know, my mom is in assisted living as we speak. So I'm talking to you as a friend as well as a financial advisor. Okay? Yep. Here's what I would advise you to do and what I've done, and I this is how I advise all of my clients. How you invest the money always breaks down to the time frame of the goals when the money may be or will be needed. So in case of mom there, Here's what I would do. I would sit down with your siblings and determine how much of the cash is it likely that she will need or that they, mom and dad, will need to withdraw over and above what the insurance is paying because long-term care insurance, uh, almost all policies, although they may have a $250,000 benefit, they don't pay that out all at once. Most of them don't. Uh, They pay a certain amount per day up to a limit, so it's going to be paid out over a certain number of days or years. But sit down and determine, okay, here's what their expenses are going to be. An error on the conservative side, give some extra there. Correct. And account account for inflation. Assume that the cost in the assisted living home is going to go up by 5 or 6% a year. So, So calculate all that. And then look at what the long-term care insurance is going to pay towards that, and you know Social Security and any other sources of income. And then make sure, make sure that any monies that you think you're going to need to withdraw to help pay for her care within the next five or six years, you want to make sure that you have that in nothing but either. A combination of high yielding money market account. I have no problem at all with uh, laddered CDs. Um, I would I would not recommend buying individual bonds. I would not recommend that anyway whatsoever. Because when you buy an individual bond, unless you've got ten million dollars or more, the small investors when you're buying bonds for ten thousand or hundred thousand or two hundred thousand. There's a significant markup on almost all of those bonds, and then there's a markdown when they're sold. So if you're going to do anything with bonds, what I would suggest you do is for the monies that you think you're going to need within the first five years, limit that to high-yielding money markets, CDs, ladder them out if if need be. Make sure you keep some emergency reserve in cash. I, you know, in their case, I'd keep you know maybe thirty to fifty thousand in a, a money market at least. And then monies that you think that you're very confident that you all are not going to need for say six, seven years or more. That's what when when you can then look at investing, um, and say some short-term and intermediate-term investment-grade government bonds. Uh, maybe something oh, from. Yes. You know, maybe something from Vanguard. Vanguard's got a short-term government index bond fund that's yielding right now, I think, about 1.2, which I know is nothing great. But we're not worrying about getting great returns. We're looking at safety and stability first. 
and they also have an intermediate-term government bond fund uh, that's yielding around 2.5, 2.7. So monies you know, that you're looking at, say, for five to seven, eight years out, that would be a good place potentially for that. And then anything after that, say 10 years out, then you may want to look at a, 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 a balanced, uh, low-cost index mutual fund um, that does have some stocks in it because that way it will help give them some inflation hedge. But don't put any money in that that you're not going to, you know, that you're confident you're not going to tap into, say, for 8, 10 years or more. And I would also highly recommend that you sit down with – because what – happens is what what you think and what your sister thinks and what somebody else thinks everybody means well but the, one of the best ways to solve this is set up an hour or two consultation with a fee only fiduciary advisor who you can all get their input from and let that fiduciary advisor take the responsibility of giving you guys advice and then that's going to help you know get you and your sister out of disagreement with, you know, what each of you should do. So that's what I would do. And that's what I recommend okay. for all of our clients. Okay. Okay. That, that sounds, that sounds very helpful. <laughs> I hope it's helpful. I truly hope that's helpful. There, there was one caveat. I just want to throw this out. Sure. See, sure. Because, because I'm retired. Well, I'm not retiring. I'm getting away from the place of employment I'm at in okay. two years mm -hmm. and I'm going to be, I can draw my pension right away at, mm -hmm. at, uh, and that money was until I don't, I don't need it immediately. Mm -hmm. So that money was going to be my backup to anything that happens with their stuff. So my, actually the, the pension I'm going to be receiving will cover their currently, currently not counting the inflation. I forgot all about the inflation, <laughs> But anyway, currently that will cover their assisted living. So I was kind of on the page that as long as nothing happened, well, I'm buying an insurance policy on me, which would more than cover that also uh, when I get away. So that money was going to be going towards them for, for, say, three years, four years, if they need it. Okay, so, so how that, is that going to tie? Kind of a backstop to any investment they might make with their money. Well, I mean, obviously it's it's your money, and if you're willing to commit your pension towards, you know, them, that, you know, by all means, you know, that's your choice, and that's that's uh, very honorable. But on a pure financial standpoint, a couple of things to think about is make sure before you do that that you have run – a detailed financial plan that does account for inflation, does account for for all of your personal goals and where you're at, but not only where you're at, but where you where you're going to be 25, 30 years from now to make sure that you have enough that you're not going to outlive you know uh, what you need that does account for inflation and taxes, and then also make sure that that is going to be something that your siblings are going to be okay with and how is that going to tie into when it comes to settling your parents estate eventually when they pass on to the good lord above are you going to want to get that back out of their estate if there's anything left are your siblings going to be okay with that how is this going to be spelled out in writing because you don't want this to cause any problems because i see it happen all the time yeah that's what that's exactly what we're two-thirds of us are trying to avoid and one-third is 
kind of yep. on you know kind of the cog in the wheel I think but well the okay. time the time to address the end is at the beginning when people are still amiable and everybody's on the same page if you push things aside and say oh we'll deal with it when the time comes I'll tell you it ends up many times being a bad bad situation that Kevin could have been avoided if you'd have all taken the time to come to an agreement and put it in writing and if need be if it, you know, if it's any, anything to do with the estate plan work with your financial advisor and a team a financial advisor and a good attorney to draw these documents up to draw something up in writing so everybody understands that if this happens here's what's going to take place if this happens you know here's what's going to take place and I can promise you it's going to take a lot of worry off your shoulder. And are you the executor, or are you the power of attorney, or no, who is? no, I'm 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 not in the area where they live, so I'm I'm kind of on the outskirts. I'm the I'm just the what you know whatever you get throw your idea. My brother is the financial executor. He's the power of attorney. Okay, okay, okay. My sister is the medical. Okay. Uh, Go so to, your brother's uh, the, go ahead. So your brother's got the financial P POA. Your sister's got the medical POA. Yes, and and you can see you probably know where they lap over. She might want stuff yep. for them medically that we look at. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, moving them was an example. There was really no immediate reason to move them, and therefore the cost doubled. We could have left them where they were for I'm at least another two years. Yeah. yeah. So well, you yeah. So and so anyway, that's see where the finance overlaps with the medical. That happens. That's, that's why you know if you get a good fee only financial advisor, they can also serve as kind of a mediator to kind of you know give you all something to think about, and then uh, but you know I really urge you to come to some sort of agreement up front, get those things in writing. And for for yourself, I really would urge you to make sure that you have taken the time to put together a comprehensive, detailed financial plan that will show you, before you start in a loving way, knowing that you may be giving your pension to your parents for three years, we want to make sure that you're aware of the potential consequences of what that may do to your own finances in the future so right 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 well okay. i also have a 401k so i'm not going that totally out on the limb for it. it's just well <laughs> some, but i'm i, but I, I can tell I you i can tell you from experience when you what people think is a lot of money and then when we do a plan and we plug it in and we subtract the taxes because if you have a 401k if it's a traditional 401k 25 percent of that in there isn't even yours that's right, taxes right, right. So when you start accounting for all that, people's eyes are like, oh, my gosh, I thought I had a lot more than what it – when you turn it into an income stream, I'm telling you, it's not as much as you think, and that's why it's prudent to know the answers up front. So. Okay. Okay, Kevin? I, I got to run. I hope that – you, but I hope that helps you, and I wish you and your family the very, very best. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. You bet. Let's take our last break. When we come back, we're going to go to Fred from Harrisburg. We'll be right back. Financial freedom. Simplified. Do or die. 
out there, all the Marines, as well as everybody else that uh, have served and are currently serving. Hats off, and we thank you for all that you have done and all that you are doing. Before we go to Fred from Harrisburg, let me remind you, if you've not yet done so, take advantage of our free e-newsletter. All you have to do is go to our website, isifinancialgroup.com. That's isifinancialgroup.com. You can sign up to receive that monthly all we need is your email address that's it and you'll receive ongoing <clears throat> educational articles that i write as well as uh, other tidbits of uh, helpful information again the website is isifinancialgroup.com and the name of the newsletter is insights and in education and don't forget if you're looking to interview for a fee only financial advisor or interview your current financial advisor by all means, take advantage of downloading our free questionnaire there, the Financial Fiduciary Questionnaire, which you can print out and use to interview any financial advisor. Just send it to them and insist that they provide you the answers in writing and sign that fiduciary oath. I can promise you, I can promise you, getting that information and knowing those answers will be invaluable to you and your family. Okay, let's go to Fred from Harrisburg. Hi, Fred. I appreciate your patience. How can I help you, sir? Good morning. Uh, no problem. Hey, listen, I uh, wanted to run a strategy by you, just a uh, sure. generic thing to see what your thoughts on it. I'm in my mid-50s, and mm -hmm. uh, most of my retirement stuff is 401k, uh, not tons diversified. And uh, so given that I'm uh, heading towards uh, my financial goals of uh, having some uh, money set aside. Uh, in reference to what you're talking about for the volatility of things, mm -hmm. I'm not sure I'm very well positioned to handle huge fluctuations. And uh, I wanted to see what your thoughts are in regards to maybe taking money uh, for an early distribution and uh, using that to purchase uh, other uh, financial products that would have less risk but continue to put money in a 401k. Is that some, something that would be uh, foolish in your mind because of uh, just because I'm trying to be less uh, risk averted or uh, I just was interested in your thoughts? Does that sure. make sense? Um, <clears throat> yep. You're 50 years old, um, you're in a 401k, you're wondering would it make sense to help diversify more and per perhaps reduce your risk by taking some of that and investing it outside of your 401k. Right, um, after I can take a legal, uh, what is it, like 55, you can start taking uh, early uh, distribution, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. what I was going to say is at your... <laughs> At your age, at if you are 50 years old, are you 50 or are you 55? I'll be 53. Okay, yeah. Right now, if you take money out of your 401K, unless you separate from service with a few exceptions of, you know, financial hardships or if you have a loan provision in your 401K, which I would not recommend you ever do unless it's, you know, you're, you literally yeah, have, have to. Like 
But anything anything that you that you would take out of there before your plan document would allow you to for either retirement or what's called an in service distribution, which a lot of plans have, anything prior to those options would be subject to a uh, a ten uh, percent penalty. And if it's a traditional four hundred one k, you could pay taxes on it. So I would not I would not take anything out that you're going to get penalized for. Once you get to a point, if if your plan allows to at fifty five, either in service distributions or whatever, any monies that you can take out of there and roll over, do a direct rollover to an IRA, perhaps it may be worth looking at. But I would make sure that you have an analysis done with a fee only financial advisor that can help you determine whether or not it's in your best interest to move it out, because the investments in your plan depending upon what they are, there may be adequate investments. And the fees, you definitely want to know what the fees are in your current plan relative to what you know where you may be moving it to. So in summary, yes, it can be a viable option. At times, we recommend people do it, but it needs to be done with a thorough analysis to make sure that what's in your best interest is done. And it needs to not be done in an isolation, but should be part of looking at your overall household wealth um, and make sure that your that your allocations are in line with a financial plan that's going to help you invest in a way that you're comfortable with but also in line with your goals and objectives so yes it can make sense so i hope that helps you yeah thanks for your input you bet i wish you very well wow this hour went fast um Volatility in the market. We're going to pick it up again next week. I got some very interesting numbers for you um, relative to where the markets are now, where we've been, and give you some things to think about. Remember, in the world of investing, it's never too late to do the right thing.